podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchups. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Live in the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback. And as always, I am joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Well, right now I'm just trying to recover from your intro. Uh, for, <laughs> that, that was that was one of the weirdest intros, but we have to mix it up sometimes. You got to um, you got to keep people on their toes. Yeah, right. And and I'm sure you know it was. I'm sure a bunch of people are saying thanks. I hate it, but you know it, yeah, we. Yeah, sure. You you have to do that. Uh, you know, occasionally. Uh, I wanted to mention, you know, to you and the and the good listeners and especially the good patrons that I'm wearing a T-shirt that caused much confusion uh, among my kids today. Again, my my son is seven and my daughter's four. I'm wearing, as I showed JJ a minute ago, a Blockbuster T-shirt. I got it for my birthday. My, my brother-in-law bought it for me. And it says... Make it a blockbuster night, and it has a an old blockbuster store on there. And I tried to explain this to my kids. I was telling JJ, it's impossible. Yeah, that would be hard. That would be a hard thing. You know, it's it's wild. I remember when Amanda and I were dating. Like mm-hmm. we were we were together at this point, mm-hmm. and we would go to like at this point it was uh what was the the Hollywood video? Yeah. And we would we would rent movies, and that was while we were dating, which tells you that number one, it feels like we've been together a very long time, which is not wrong. But it also wasn't as long ago as you. I mean, we've been together for thirteen years now, my wife and I. Uh, but like, th- that's not like tremendously long ago to think about like where we are now with video and movie consumption versus what we used to do. I think I think it actually speaks to the incredible advances that have right. happened you know, under our nose, like we, we sometimes don't think about it. Right. But, uh, the fact that we have access to literally any movie ever made now is something that we could not have conceived, uh, 10 years, even 10 years ago, forget 15 years ago. No way. Uh, like I used to see it as like, as like a luxury to be able to drive to blockbuster and rent, you know, the wire DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, I, you know, but trying to explain to a child today that there was a time, you know, not 50 years ago, that you had to actually physically go somewhere to rent a movie is is just it's really tough. I would like to know if, if anybody else has tried this with their with their young kids, because um, it's such a foreign concept. I, I don't even know if there is, a, you know, a comparable thing between me and my parents like. Maybe oh you know what maybe uh, getting up to change the channel on the TV. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. That's something I couldn't. I was like, why? Like you just have you know you have the control. But uh, yeah, it's it makes me feel super super old. And you're right. I remember going to Blockbuster with Melissa on Fridays, and we would make excruciating choices over what we would watch. Yeah, but like that whole experience. Sorry, I just took a sip of tea right whenever you oh, you, you said that. Way to go, Denny. Uh, 
I feel like like that whole experience was an experience, and there, there's like yes. some nostalgia that you feel oh. even just thinking about like browsing. Like I used to get video games all the time from from we had a we had a movies plus where where we would go that then turned into a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But but I remember going there and getting getting like Sega games all the time growing right. up, and like that experience will never exist for our, our kids, and it, it makes me almost sad. It, it does a little bit. I I do remember actually going and reserving video games before they came out do you, do you did you ever yeah. do that yeah i mean oh yeah and i mean i would reserve i would reserve things period uh-huh. like i remember calling ahead to make sure that they had a certain game and then i would reserve it and then you know be able to to pick it up but yes i remember when there were new games you could do that my yeah uh i do have distinct memories of wanting power rangers dvds and call or not i'm sorry tapes whatever and i would call blockbuster and they would say yes we have one we have one in stock but we can't set it aside and did, so i would be like mom let's go did, yeah, did, did you just let it slip that you watched power rangers on a dvd meaning you were watching it when you were like 22 years old that's right that's right yeah, yeah. That, uh, so that, that that's what i got out of that power rangers were, were pretty sweet though back in the day oh man i love i used to write a, a comic a power rangers comic um, that incorporated all my friends and, uh, we, they were just, they loved it. They loved it. It was my first experience with like making something for people that, yeah. you know, that they like wanted to consume. <laughs> do you remember the, do you remember the flip head action figures? Yeah. Oh man. I used They're... to love those things, man. Yeah. I remember my, my brother's favorite, uh, was the black Ranger. And I just remember being like, God, Corey, you're, you're like, you're so woke. Like you're so like, <laughs> Like I like I respect that, you know. I you know I I my favorite was the Green Ranger, the White Ranger, because but it was only because the Pink Ranger liked them. So yeah, right. Oh, Pink Pink Ranger, that was a that was a great experience as a as a, a preteen. <laughs> That's my, my ex wife. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, today, folks, we are going to go over some bold predictions as we do every year on this show. Uh, I went through my bold predictions on the late round podcast. I'm going to reiterate a couple of those, but Denny has some fire takes Our fire take show is what this really is. That's right. Uh, so we'll go through three of them each. And then we have some questions from our, our patrons. So Denny kick things off with your first bold prediction of this 2020 season. All right. So this shouldn't be a, a shock to anyone who has written, who has read the piece I wrote for Roto world a while back. And yes, I do work for Roto world now. Um, it's uh, Teddy Bridgewater as a top 12 quarterback. And that doesn't seem super hot because, you know, a top 12 quarterback, who cares? But he's not being drafted in 12-team leagues. But as, you know, the head of a potentially high-paced, fast-paced, high-volume offense in Carolina, uh, in, in Joe Brady's system, I, I really believe that with those weapons – you know, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, the running back, whatever his name is, um, you know, even I'm just kidding. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> Mike know, Davis, Mike Davis uh, and and even Ian Thomas, you know, so with those weapons, I, I think that just he could just volume his way into a top 12 season uh, in, in Carolina. I dig it. I like Teddy, too. I, Teddy, Teddy to me is like the perfect two quarterback quarterback or, you know, super flex league quarterback. Um, because chances are you don't necessarily need to get him in a single quarterback league, but I I do think the upside is there. And so he's, he's sort of the perfect, uh, super flex quarterback draft. 
Um, my first one that I'm going to go through is Adam Thielen, Denny. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know that guy who plays for the Vikings. I do. I'm I'm familiar. Adam Thielen will finish as a top three wide receiver. So I wrote this up uh, on number fire, but uh, since 2011 of the 27 wide receivers with a top three season, so nine seasons, top three seasons, that's 27, 23 of them had 150 or more targets. Really what I'm looking at here is who in the NFL this year could hit that 150 target mark. And I think that Adam Thielen has that range of outcome uh, given the fact that Stefan Diggs is gone. You know, there's no Kevin Stefanski. And not only that, but Minnesota could also just be worse in general than they mm-hmm. were last year. Not as many positive game scripts, which could lead to more passing. So if Thielen ends up walking into like a 30% target share, which is possible in my opinion, uh, then all of a sudden he could hit that 150 target mark. And that's going to catapult him into into being, you know, an elite fantasy asset. You know, is it is it probable? No, but this is a, a fire take bold right. predictions episode. I have him inside my top 10 though at wide receiver, which I think a lot of people have more in like, like the wide receiver 14 range or so. Um, but I, I really like Adam Thielen this year. And I do think that that's in his range of outcomes. So you're standing, you're standing on your roof yelling 170 targets for Adam Thielen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I actually got it uh, tattooed on yeah. Avery's back, not yeah. my back. <laughs> yeah. Ch- some child abuse right there. Poor, poor kid. Uh, yeah, no one, no one call protective services. The, yeah, um, I am definitely, even as a Mike Evans guy from way back, as you all know, I'm definitely at the point with Thielen where when it comes around to the third round and I'm looking at Thielen and Evans sitting right there next to each other, I'm having a really hard time going with Evans right now. Yeah, it's not it's not easy. I have Evans ahead of him still, but it's still like I think that they're in the same tier. I think that you can make the argument that there's like a giant, giant tier there. Uh, with like DJ Moore thrown in there and, uh, you know, OBJ even has a case and Juju has a case. And I mean, even Calvin Ridley has a case. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can be thrown into that tier. Uh, But I I think that Adam Thielen has the highest floor and the the best projectable output. I'm I'm very much into it. And I, you know, as a zero RB drafter, you you can have Thielen as your wide receiver three most of the time because he's, you know, where, where he's going. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. All right. So my second warm slash hot take. And again, you know, tell me if this is not hot enough, because I, I, I feel like it might not be. But Logan Thomas, who is not being drafted in 12 team leagues, will finish as a tight end one. That's hot. That's definitely it's hot. More- Okay, it's definitely see, okay. See, see, because I I talked about this on my bold predictions article, and instead of like defining it, I all I said was that he would be the surprise tight end this year. So oh. I'm like getting I'm like getting out of being super super bold with it. So what does that mean? Well, it means that no matter how Logan Thomas finishes, I could I could say that I was right. That that's what it really means. And that and that's the the key here. That's the, the key. Team. That that's how it works in the fantasy football industry. Yes. And that's key in what we, in what we do. So. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, the Washington coaches, including Ron Rivera, cannot stop talking about Logan Thomas. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I, I, it may have been this. I do so many podcasts at this point, JJ. I don't remember what I said on, on which platform, but I believe it was on this one where I, I said that when their coaches are asked about other players, the conversation turns to Logan Thomas. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's amazing. And and. Obviously, we don't usually on this show base our, uh, you know, our takes on uh, anecdotes, 
but we don't have much in the way of of numbers to go by except for that you know Terry McLaurin is the only pass catcher who will command any kind of target share in that offense um so and it and it is an offense that will go from dead last in plays per game to you know maybe the middle middle of the pack i mean you know optimistically maybe a little higher than that even with Scott Turner at the helm so I um, I think if Logan Thomas can establish himself, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. He has established himself as the only pass-catching tight end on that roster. So that's that's the thought process. Yeah, I, look, we've been on Logan Thomas for a while now on the show. Um, I, I don't say – look, I, I say this – I don't think this is actually the outcome here, but I think that there are some parallels with Darren Waller here oh, with, yeah. with Logan Thomas where – there's a, a, a late age breakout. Uh, they're switching positions. Obviously, going from quarterback to tight end is different than going from wide receiver to tight end. Um, but th- there are some parallels there. They're, they're crazy, crazy athletic, which is one of the things that we should be looking for in a late round tight end. And there's not a lot of options around them. You know, mm-hmm. one of the main reasons Darren Waller broke out last year is because there was nothing else for Derek Carr to throw to uh, in that offense. So. Uh, I love Logan Thomas as a dart throw this year. I have him on so many dynasty rosters. I can't even explain. Uh, so if he, if he, if he does something, I'm going to be very, very happy. I'm excited about him. Uh, but speaking of tight ends yeah. and speaking of athleticism, you know, I did a tight end study earlier this off season and I found uh, that there are, there are some, some general criteria that we should be looking for in finding a breakout tight end. One of them is that uh, they're year two or year three players, which is not really Logan Thomas, but uh, they play with good quarterbacks. Uh, they generally don't come from nowhere, which means they either had a previous season tar- good target share or they had good draft equity, mm-hmm. and they're generally athletic. The one player, not not the one, but one player who fits that criteria really, really well is TJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. So my bold prediction is that TJ Hawkinson is going to finish as a top five tight end this year. I think there's a chance mm-hmm. that TJ Hawkinson ends up being this year's Mark Andrews, uh, right. where... You know, there's, there's Kenny Galladay can get his, he'll, he'll probably see like a 22, 23% target share. Uh, but Marvin Jones, I mean, sure. He, he can see a high target share, but there, there's still plenty of room for TJ Hawkinson to get his. And then at the same time, would you be shocked if TJ Hawkinson had more targets than Marvin Jones this year? Like I, I wouldn't be that shocked. Yeah. That I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. I hope, you know, I hope that's the case. I have, I have him rostered on a lot of best ball teams. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that it's clear that they want him to be a thing. Yeah. And and, and, and that's important. Yeah. And look, and it's in an offense where last year, Matthew Stafford threw it deep at a higher rate than any other quarterback in football. He had the best season of his career before he got hurt. That's with, there was a change. Daryl Bevel became offensive coordinator. It really worked for them. We saw that he, we saw that Hawkinson flashed some upside before he was injured throughout the year against Arizona and as early as week one. Um, I, I just I like what we're seeing. I mean, you know, he he fits everything that we would want out of a later round tight end. Um, I, I just think he's a slam dunk pick. He's he's one of my go to targets late. You know, him and like Mike Gesicki, and then obviously if Hayden Hurst drops, I like Hayden Hurst. But uh, Hawkinson to me is just a very very good pick this year. Uh, I think there's some concern about his injury, but mm-hmm. you know you can brush that aside just given the the kind of capital you're spending to get him. Well, I think uh, when when I read the actual piece that talked about you know, him maybe struggling with that ankle. I think it was that he lacks some confidence in, in, in cutting on the ankle not, not that it's still bothering him or that it's going to be an issue. So, yeah. And he's still, and he's still dominating right now in camp apparently. So like Mm -hmm. take that for what it's worth. 
But, yeah, I'm, but he, but his profile is excellent. It's you amazing. Know? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it would be it would be shocking if TJ Hawkinson is not fantasy relevant at some point in the next two years. That's right. So, all right, Denny, right. last one. Yeah. Last one. So, this is, you know, as I was writing it and as I was thinking about it, um, I, I I think I think it's a low T, uh, hot take, but it's one that I truly believe in based purely on opportunity, and it's this that Jamison Crowder will be a top 20 wide receiver in PPR leagues this year. And he's not going to do it with a bunch of, you know, deep shots, highlight reel stuff. Not at all. He probably will never make a highlight reel. But I think he could just be flooded with targets in an offense that has nobody catching footballs. I mean, for a while, it seemed like, you know, uh, Herndon, Perryman, and Crowder would be the the top three pass catchers, and you know, and and that's not even including Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. But now Crowder has some sort of chest issue, uh, chest strain of some kind. Uh, Perryman has been out forever. Um, Denzel Mims is like not a thing. And I was reading a, a beat writer today saying, you know, don't expect him to be a thing for the Jets anytime soon. You know, it, it's not just a week one issue. We're, we're talking well into the season before Mims can be brought up uh, and, 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 you know, caught up. He's missed so much time yeah. uh, as a rookie. So, so that, and that leaves Crowder as a guy who, you know, could just be pelted with targets um, it, until, until things get right with that receiving group. But who knows if that's, even going to happen and the jets are going to be terrible and they're going to have to pass a lot so i just think he could he could like blow away target projections this year yeah one of my bold predictions was that he would outscore stefan diggs which isn't like the boldest of bold but you know it's just a, a play no, I, on the fact that i think diggs is overvalued and i think crowder is undervalued yeah he's going off the board right now uh, talking about crowder at wide receiver 42 last time i checked yeah and you know so i mean i guess you know especially if you're if you're looking for a little bit of oomph after taking a bunch of running backs uh, early. I think that, you know, Crowder, Crowder could be a guy, or if you just have a bunch of flex spots, you know? Yeah. Uh, my last one is that is, is one that I have to bring up because of what I did in the LTS listener league draft uh, in, in getting Tyler Lockett over Amari Cooper, uh-huh. uh, which again, guys, I regret it. I regretted it at, immediately after I made the choice, but uh, we got to be bold in the listener league, you know? True. Uh, so I have that Tyler Lockett will finish as a top eight wide receiver. Uh, last year, Lockett, when he, be, before he went down with that like leg injury where he was, remember he was like hospitalized last year oh, with yeah. that thing. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was the wide receiver three in fantasy football. He had some crazy spiked weeks, which helped, but he was averaging 19 PPR points per game. Uh, and it's obviously in an offense that you're associating with Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett consistently has a, a high average at the target, a lot of end zone targets. DK Metcalf was first in the NFL last year in end zone targets. Tyler Lockett was fourth. And this is all happening mm-hmm. while Seattle ranked 32nd and 31st over the last two years in neutral script pass rate. So they're not throwing a lot. Uh, but they're getting targets down the field and they're getting targets in the end zone. These wide receivers are. So you can, I mean, you can attribute a lot of this to DK Metcalf too. Right. Um, Ty, but Tyler Lockett, you know, both of those wide receivers I'm obsessed with drafting this year. I, I get them all the time <laughs> uh, because you, you're really looking at a scenario where where they're being drafted is where their projections say they should be drafted. But it's very easy for a team to throw the ball more 
than we expect them to, th- to throw the ball. Sure. Right. So so if Seattle ends up letting Russ cook even at a moderate rate, just a little bit more than where we, they've had them, where they where they've had him over the last two years. All of a sudden, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are both probably top 15 options in fantasy. Absolutely. Yeah. No, if if they actually let him cook, which, you know, I'm still skeptical on and I'm sure you are, too. But sure. uh, then they then they are huge steals, both of them in, in fantasy drafts right now. Uh, it makes me a little bit nervous that you're so into both of them because I find myself like, you know, I like I like Lockett. I, I feel like Metcalf's going a little too early, but I don't have much exposure to either of them, and now I'm nervous. Oh, I yeah, I mean, I have them everywhere. It, it's just it's the same awesome. logic for both guy, where both guys, where you know you you have high A dot or at least down the field throws, so they'll they'll score points in chunks. That's always what we look for, and then they also have really high touchdown potential. I mean, DK Metcalf could score ten to twelve touchdowns this year, and no one would flinch, right? right. And so I, I, I just I love targeting that that passing attack because of that. And there's no other alternatives right now uh, to the point where I think both of them could end up seeing 50 percent of the team's targets. I mean, every year we get o- over one on average, over one pairing wide receiver pairing from the same team in the top 12. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You know, we've had Juju and Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. It happens every single year for the most part, often multiple times per year. I think that Seattle is one of those teams that we could easily see that happen. I think the most common go-to would be Atlanta with, with Julio and Calvin Ridley. But I think Seattle's a good one. I think uh, the Rams have, have Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods who could also do it. Uh, Pittsburgh's a dark horse with Juju and Deontay Johnson. But I think Seattle is probably the number two team off the top of my head that could finish with two top 12 wide receivers. So I'm, I'm all about drafting both of them this year. I think you guys should be too. Dang, that's that's strong. That's strong. I I, I appreciate that. I need to uh, I need to do some more best ball drafts. Is what I'm hearing. Yes, I think that you should, and and you guys can do that on Fanduel.com. Company man. Yes. All right, Denny. We have some questions from our patrons. I'll get to them right now. This first one's from Steve. Not even going to try to pronounce his last name. How does the idea of a super flex position change the late round quarterback strategy in a 10 team league? If we are typically wanting to play two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, should quarterbacks technically have more scarcity? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. This is a, you know, streaming the position is for single quarterback leagues, but I will say this. I I did a study, Steve, on super flex strategy, uh, and it does tell us that we can wait longer than what the market says at the quarterback position in super flex leagues. And instead of thinking I need two locked in starters and I'm just going to play every week, you should still platoon the position and then still use the same concepts we talk about on this show to play by matchups. That's, that's generally the approach that I take, especially in a 10 team league where you know that quarterback goes about 25, 26 deep. And so in 10, in a 10 team league, that means, you know, there's 20 quarterback starters. um, And then there's going to be this excess if you can get some of that excess with some lower tiered top twenty guys, then you can definitely play by matchup and be fine. By the way, I, I hear every year that at this time I hear on fantasy Twitter, you know, Superflex should become the standard for, for yeah. league. And I I vehemently disagree with that because uh, regular drafters, you know, and, and we deal with with just n- normal, everyday, well adjusted people playing fantasy football. We deal with them at draftdayconsultants.com if you like to check it out. And they um, they would not know really what to do with that format. Like that's – it's too much. It's too complicated. But 
I'm I think I'm more open to a 10 team league uh, a super flex league 10 team super flex because 12 team super flex the 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 quarterback position gets so dicey so quickly for for so many teams in the league that I think that it com- it could completely alienate people who otherwise really enjoy fantasy football but having 10 teams I think opens up you know o- opens up the possibility that you're not like scraping the bottom of the quarterback barrel in week 2 um, yeah. so that's 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 my random thought about Superflex being the Yeah. Same. Yeah, and like my my whole take with like the people who are trying to make real football more like fantasy football and vice versa. It's like guys, this is a game about a game. Like this is just a game. It's no different than like risk. Like when we play the game of risk, we're not like punching the people we're playing against and trying to murder them like you would in war, right? You're rolling a dice. Just like in this we're, the last time I played with Denny, guys, you know, we play Risk all the time. I, right. I, I gave him a bloody nose. Yeah. Uh, but that's how you play. Yeah, right. So you got you to be hard. Uh, but with, with fantasy football, we don't need the quarterback position to be something that it is in real football. I mean, if you want to do that, go for it. That's totally fine. If you want quarterbacks to be more valuable, that's totally fine. But in the end, this is a game that we're trying to win. This is not a... A, we need everything to match up perfectly with real football because it's almost never going to happen. Yeah, I I mean, I, I don't understand the uh, mindset of like someone who wants to be a, a GM, like an actual NFL GM. And so that they play fantasy football that way. Uh, I play the complete opposite way. So like when you start awarding like a bunch of points for first downs and the tight end premium, like making tight end matter, making quarterback matter a whole lot. Uh, I, I never could like embrace that thought process, but this, this idea, I, I, and I think that we're insulated. We, we're in a bubble on fantasy Twitter for sure, where if you're saying super flex should be the format to play, like that's, that should be the standard across, you know, Yahoo and ESPN and everything else. I mean, you have not met like an average drafter recently because they wouldn't know. They wouldn't have any idea what to do there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I will say like I enjoy playing in super flex leagues because I am am a hardcore fantasy football player and analyst, obviously, too. And I, I like I like it when I'm playing against other people where I know I will have an edge in game theory and strategy. Right. Right. So so I, I like that aspect of things, but I don't think it needs to be forced. Like if if Superflex could be the norm, I would embrace it because that means that people are digging more into fantasy football in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they're by by making Superflex the norm, that means people are going to be forced to look more into strategy and not just say, I want this guy and log out, which is yeah. which is what we hate. Right. 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 But but at the same time. It's the same thing that we deal with all the time on Twitter where like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say like this guy has this ADP or this guy is a, is a good value or, you know, back in the day, this guy's a good sleeper. I don't really use that term at all anymore. No. Uh, and, and people will come back at us and just get angry, you know, not in my league, those people, but like, <laughs> yeah. like guys, you got to realize that 90% of the people who are listening to, to fantasy advice are, are borderline casual yes. right I, I would say yeah. they're, they're more they're more than than the the most average and casual player you know like my dad for instance who plays fantasy football he's not going out seeking you know right. research to listen to during the off season but the market in general has so many casual people that you you know us as fantasy analysts we have to cater to it let me let me give you another, another example of that okay someone in my mentions this past week 
said how ridiculous it is that experts and analysts do mock drafts that are not auction because auction, you know, is, is more, you know, get the guys that you want, formulate more strategy. You're not forced to pick certain players, yada, yada, yada. And this guy was like, why aren't analysts doing more auction drafts, whether it's for mocks or whether it's for their leagues? And I responded and I said, because other people aren't doing that. The reason mock drafts exist by analysts right. are so that other people can look at them and learn, right? So if we're doing auction drafts, that's gonna you're you're all of a sudden pushing aside a large portion of the market. There's no reason to do that. So that's the main reason, by the way, that we're doing snake drafts all the time instead of auction drafts. There there are a huge number of casual fantasy football players who have never played in a, an auction or a, I guess it's a salary cap. Is that what we're calling it? Salary cap league? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So the and and you know, there are a huge number who have never played it, who have no idea what it what it even is. Like I like trust trust me on this. Again, I'm really not trying to push draft day consultants. I really am not. But we get a lot of people who come to us and say, My league turned into a salary cap league. I don't I have no idea what what that means. Like what what yeah. do I do? And um that and again, that's alienating. I you know, we I think we need to make the game more accessible, not not less accessible. Yeah, and look, the more people you get playing fantasy football, the more you're going to naturally get, you know, a percentage of those people are going to be more hardcore about it and get more interested in it. And then there's going to be more opportunity for these wacky formats or these really deep formats that, you know, I love playing in, right? But we have to cater to to that least common denominator, if you will, uh, because it's going to be, because we're going to get the most audience that way. Speaking of uh, wacky formats, we had a patron whose name I will not divulge on this podcast, who messaged us and said that he, well, he's looking for kicker advice, and here's why. Here's why. He is in a league where he, you have to roster two, two kickers. You have to start two kickers every week, which is in, in and of itself insane already. Yeah. But th- that's not the craziest part. The craziest part is that it's m- negative 10 points for a missed extra point. Wow. Wow. And that's, that's not, that's not even like back in the day, I think when I had kickers in my home league, like when kickers were very much the the thing that you always did uh, and had, I I do think that a missed extra point was like minus six or seven. I made it just because it was such a rarity. Yeah. Right. Back back then. But now it's not a rarity at all. It's not like guys miss multiple extra points in a game. You know, that's, you know, that seems extreme to me that, you know, very, way too penalizing uh anyway i i i've been tilting all day over hearing that yeah this next one's from brian smith finding it hard to get excited for my home league drafts this year i have mine tomorrow night uh the draft parties are among my favorite day of the year same here they might all be remote now are you doing anything in person this year the only in-person opportunity i had uh shout out to the neighborhood league that i'm in uh but i wasn't able to go um, and so that was my only op. So I'm not really forced with this decision. Denny, do you have any, any decisions that you are, are forced to make in terms of drafting in person this year? I wish, man. So I haven't had an in-person draft since like 2014. Since the Bush administration. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. No, no. Uh, my, my family league disbanded after the 2014 season and, and I haven't had one since, but it used to be so fun i loved it i would get psyched for that because i had them over in my house right and and it would usually be like like six or eight of us and then and then the others would draft remotely 
but it was it was an I love the experience. I miss it. Um, but if if I were still doing that, I would obviously not do that. Although I think if you can gather outside, I think that's an option. Yeah, right. That's what they did in my neighborhood. You know, they they got together. They were outside. I didn't see what the environment was like because I wasn't able to go. But um, and I drafted via text. And, you know, I, I got a picture of the draft board every time I was up. Fortunately, oh, yeah. I I was at the turn, so it wasn't as hard. But um, my you know, yeah. it, was, it was an interesting experience. So, so um, yeah, I, I think I mean uh, everything I've read says if you are outside uh, and distanced and wearing a mask, then you're you're good. Yeah, I mean, like there's still some risk, but yeah, you should be you should be okay enough. Like it's it's you're lowering your risk, obviously, than yeah. than having to be in a room with people. I, I do look. I I love the uh, draft day. You know, every every year now that I live in North Carolina, like my brother drives down. He lives in Raleigh, so he drives over from Raleigh. I got my buddies here in Charlotte, and then you know all my high school buddies who I'm still in this league with are drafting remotely and stuff. But we all get together, and I'm I'm I'm. I borderline like, you know, don't remember the next day who I drafted with my last dollar value on my bench. Right. 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 That's the the way it should be. That's the way it should be for fantasy drafts. Right. And so like, of course that is going to be missed, but I will say, you know, I, I was way more worried in like early August when you looked at the way things were trending in terms of like traffic and people downloading podcasts Mm. and listening and getting fantasy advice it's definitely jumped the last couple of weeks. I think that people were, you know, a little hesitant. They were testing the water a little bit, putting their toe in the in the pool, seeing seeing the temperature, and now they realize that someone peed in the pool, so it's it's warm enough to jump in, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, it's happening. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now now they're like, oh, this is a this is a good experience. I'm going to I'm going to embrace this. Yeah. Um and so now they're they're going in, but I don't know about you, like this week, Denny, First off, it's weird because Labor Day is on a weird day this year because of the way the months were set up and oh, yeah. days well, were set up. Well, well, it's usually it feel, what what is it on the tenth this year or on the eighth this year or whatever? Oh, or right, right. Okay. It's just it's just later in the month than you know. A lot of times it'll be early September just based on where the Monday lands. But uh, because of that, we have this whole first week in September, and I'm usually drafting at the end of you know most of us draft like the last week of August where our main draft week is. But this year, with everything happening, and then on top of that, with Labor Day being later than than typical, you know, it's I have so many drafts this week, and it's in September, and it feels a little bit weird. But I think a lot of it also is just because we all delayed to like make yeah. decisions with our drafts this year. It, does the uh, the NFL season usually starts in the second week of, of September, right? I mean, that's not. It's a, it's a, it's the Thursday after Labor Day is whenever yeah. whenever it goes. Okay. So it's it's whatever whatever that however that right. happens is always the Thursday after Labor Day. I, I have just anecdotally noticed a huge increase in interest um, in in all facets of my of my professional life right now. <laughs> and because yeah. because I mean I think people I think the realization that like oh the season is actually going to happen. I guess I'll. I guess we'll get the band back together, get the league back together, and we'll and we'll play. Uh, I think that's dawning on millions of people right now. Whereas you know, even I mean, think back thirty days ago. Thirty days ago, it still was very, very iffy as, yeah. as to whether we were going to have a season. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're doing for all like from what we know as bystanders, like they're doing a good job testing and. Uh, you know, making sure no one's going, getting, getting the coronavirus, etc. And and you have to hope that the players are responsible in season. I say responsible as in like, you know, not going out clubbing and, and doing crazy stuff. 
um, which, you know, we, we've we've already talked about this and like like college kids and stuff, so we don't need to go down that path anymore. But you know, like it's it's not the easiest thing in the world for a twenty something to just like sit at home with you know his his Xbox. But um, you know, hopefully things go smoothly. I think that that right now we should be feeling as optimistic as ever that a season's going to happen. I am, and you know, you know me. I'm not. I'm very pessimistic, and I've been you know crying about the fact that there's not going to be a season for months. Yeah. And, uh, and I, but I am fully optimistic now. I, yeah. I've been converted. JJ was right. Okay. Everyone shut up. I, I look, I was, I was more of a, I'm, I was more of a realist with this. I, I thought that there was a possibility, but I also, you know, my, my thought all along was that there's so much money on the line. They're going to figure out some way to do this. You know, whether it means that a lot of people opt out or a lot of people get sick, I just don't think the NFL is just going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll just cancel the season because there's just so much money on the line. And like, whether whether we believe this or, or want to believe this or like back this stance or not, money matters a lot. It just matters a lot. Yeah. Uh, it might be the only thing that matters. The um, uh, I lost my show. Oh yeah. So did you see this tweet about? the Oklahoma Sooners uh, uh, opening opening day game is going to be on pay-per-view. Yeah. Was that real? Is that it, came real? From, it came from a, an unverified account. So I just kind of like brushed it off until like someone good would tweet it. Not or, sorry. I don't know if this wow. person good or not. I, wow. I, I, I'm Un- sorry. Unverif- that was more, unverified was, equals bad. I get it. I get that was, it. that was more of a dig on Denny for not being verified, by the, but he doesn't want to be verified guys. He doesn't want to be verified. Never. Uh, but no, I, look, I, I didn't know if it was like a, a real reporter or just someone who who heard and just decided to tweet something. I just am waiting, you know, for for severe uh, for for sincere confirmation on it. But that would be wild if someone had to pay like fifty five bucks to watch that game. I, I mean, it's against like it's against like Weber State or something. Yeah, like, I mean, like it, I I can't imagine paying that much money for again. But look, I what what I'm shocked at. Okay is that the NFL I I wish I would have tweeted this like months ago mm-hmm. but I I also didn't want to deal with it cuz I don't actually I don't have any substance to this take and I don't know how much effort it takes and stuff how did the NFL not come up with some like insane virtual reality experience where like you mm-hmm. could pay like $1000 or something for the season and just like be on the field essentially cuz they're going to be able to create like a crazy camera experience I would oh, imagine oh, with yeah. without fans so why not like put something I, look I have no idea someone listening to this might be like a VR specialist I have no idea but like how how crazy would it have been if like they could have driven money and and, and revenue that way because there's going to be I mean imagine just sitting on your couch every Sunday and feeling like you're like literally on the sidelines watching those games Yeah that actually is a great idea and I feel like I feel like we should have pursued this <laughs> That's yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I lost money by not. I, I either right now I either sound like a moron for I, I period. I sound like a moron because I'm either way way off base with this idea, uh-huh. or it's uh-huh. a true billion dollar idea that I right. just let go. Yeah, and and you and you just put it out there, and somebody else is going to capitalize. But that's fine. I want to experience it. I want to. I would get yeah. a VR headset for that specifically. I would too. I would too. That's and what I'm, I'm saying. And I'm terrified of VR. Like I actually feel like I, I'm. I've always been afraid that it's going to absolutely break my brain, um, more so than than even Twitter. I, I will say that watching NBA with certain camera angles right now it looks like a video game. You know. Yeah. So that I, I I know what you're saying about like that that experience of being down on the 
on the court yeah, or on the field. Yeah, just imagine just being able to like hit a button and just like be at the normal view, and then all of a sudden you're like on the sideline with Mike Evans. Be great. I dream. Yeah. Uh, next question. This is from Daniel. What are good kicker and defense streamers for week one, and who would you drop for a kicker? Cam Newton, Stafford is my starter. Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, or Paris Campbell? That's a tough one. I mean, if if, if you're starting Stafford, I mean, maybe you don't keep Cam. Is yeah, that, is, that, is that where we're going here? That that that's. I mean, well, gosh, I don't know. I guess, I guess that that is tough. Look, I haven't. Uh, I just did the look at look at look at look at. Um, I have not looked into week one kickers, uh, so I don't have an answer. But uh, just as a reminder, you just want a kicker on a team that's favored, preferably at home, preferably with a good implied total in Vegas. So, um, I, but I will have my kicker column ready for for next week. Uh, defenses, we're going to get into that in next week's show. Next week is the week one show. If I if I'm not yes, mistaken, it is correct. But there, I mean. If you want like an like the Bills are playing the Jets, you can you can go pick up the Bills if they're out there. There you there, go. There, there there's one. Uh, this next question is from Jeff. It says, "Will Eric Ebron be the number two or number two number one or number two best pass catcher in Pittsburgh this year?" Apparently, look, there there's been positive reports about like every every pass catcher in Pittsburgh, like including like Chase Claypool is apparently the next Calvin Johnson, the way they're talking about it. Yes. I mean, the the athletic is all over Chase Claypool. Denny, Chase Claypool is a Denny special, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He, and- he's he's a uber, uber athlete. Like, I, I thought he was going to play tight end at the next level, so I didn't really love the pick from Pittsburgh because then they said, you know, I didn't mind him if they wanted to play him at tight end, but they were like, oh, we're going to play him outside, which meant bye-bye James Washington, you know, for, for, for upside purposes. But apparently he's like balling out, and he's right. he's for. I mean, you got to at least pay some attention to him, right? So by uh, the Denny special, he means a, a a crazy athletic, huge pass catcher uh, who may have you know no floor, no, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but may but may have a ceiling. So that that's that's my that's my kind of receiver. Like like Miles Boykin, Jazz Ferguson last year was one prospect who who fit that mold. Jazz Ferguson, love that yeah. guy. Played it played in the XFL then. I know. I I had him in my like, every week. Yeah. Uh next one. Which will happen first? Gase completes the recreation of the twenty eighteen Dolphins in New York, or Jacksonville fulfills Khan's dreams and completes the transition to a soccer team? <laughs> Look, that when, when the Leonard Fournette news dropped, and by the time you listen to this, maybe Leonard Fournette's on the team. He's not on the team yet. When the Leonard Fournette news dropped, it was it was such a, I mean, he's been so divisive in the fantasy community this offseason. I, I don't know if there's another player who's been more divisive, right? So yeah. yesterday on Twitter, when it all happened, there was just two factions of people. There were the people, the analysts who were already fading him. I was part of it. Uh, doing, doing like pseudo victory laps. I wouldn't say that all of them were victory laps. And then there were people justifying that Leonard Fournette could go on a different team and still be more valuable than where he was in Jacksonville. And it was unbelievable, the dynamic. And I, and I, you know what I was doing, JJ, I was doing both. I was saying, <laughs> yeah, right. you, you, you dummies, why were you taking him in the third? But I was also saying it might be good. You don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was, uh, bridging the gap. So I don't know why he was divisive. I mean, because, you know, the third round ADP was out of control. I took him in the sixth round of Apex. It was obviously still too early. And as I said on the podcast last night, the only reason I got him in the sixth and Apex 
was because everybody was afraid of Evan Silva. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that Evan would just absolutely roast them for taking and <laughs> taking yeah. Fournette. Look, I so I got my only share of Fournette. I reached for him in a dynasty startup that I did this off season. I I have no, it's my only share of Fournette anywhere. I kind of want to diversify and like I I just spent way too much to get him. Um, but it was before all the talk happened with like like once Jacksonville started talking about wanting to trade him in April, uh, in, in mid later April. That's when I was like, no, not not dealing with this, not drafting him. I can't do it. Uh, when a team is openly trying to get rid of you, it's a very difficult sell, right? So it might look good on paper. It's it, the way. I, it's the similar way to what I feel with like Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. right? Where like the Jets have have there's been rumors at least. It, it was a little bit different with Le'Veon Bell because the Jets haven't been as upfront as like Jacksonville seemed to be. But with Le'Veon Bell, terrible situation. Sure, he can get by on volume, but if they want to see what they've got in other players or if they want to, I mean, there's just very, there's a lot of outs to Le'Veon Bell not having that great of a season, despite the fact that he looks decent in projections. Leonard Fournette looked decent enough in projections, but there was a lot of downside to that. There's a lot of fragility to that because you were projecting him for such a massive, massive backfield share that if any of that changed in the slightest, all of a sudden, he wasn't nearly as valuable. Right. And that's really what this came down to. Now, the did, did I expect them to cut Leonard Fournette? I did not. But I will say that there were analysts, namely Evan Silva, who had been calling for Leonard Fournette being cut uh, all offseason. Yeah. He said that, that this was a possibility. And yeah. and so, because smart people were saying things like that, you know, I'm, I, I at least, that was at least part of what could have happened with Leonard Fournette in my eyes. But the the bigger piece was, you know, he's in a bad offense. We don't know what his pass catching is going to look like with Chris Thompson there. There's a new offensive coordinator. You know, he's not very efficient. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to not get him. But I will say this, Denny, where you got him in the sixth round, I think was totally fine. <laughs> Thanks. I, I appreciate the pat on the back. Uh, you know, the you, you were mentioning something about um, getting Fournette, and I, and I just totally lost my train of thought. Let's go on to the next question. Okay. This next one's from Neil Dutton. What food do you dislike but really wish you liked? He says, I can't stand fish, but find myself gazing longingly at pictures of salmon and the like. <laughs> That's really funny. It's, it's a picture, Neil, you know, like like logging on and like watch, looking at, at pictures of like really nice salmon. I love salmon, by the way. Salmon's amazing. Yeah, I would, I would eat salmon. So like I read about the rocks uh, diet one time and it's like, salmon basically like salmon and other kinds of fish 15 times a day i would do that if i had the means yeah right it's just very difficult to do yeah so what do you do you have anything i have one yeah i mean so i uh i don't like like some leafy green stuff would probably be mine like i i'm i'm not a picky eater at all Mm -hmm. you know I'll, i'll eat most anything so i'm probably not the best one to ask this but i feel like denny definitely has something because he is the pickiest eater on the planet uh yeah so uh olives look really good to me and this is a good one. I agree with you here. So let's hear this. Yeah. yeah. When, when I, so I will occasionally play bartender uh, at the house and I will, um, we have a quarantine bar in the kitchen. And so Melissa will request sometimes a martini and I will make her a martini and I'll pop a couple olives into the drink and I'll think, man, that looks good. I want to like the olive. And then every time I try it and I've tried it, I don't know, five times, I hate it. It is terrible, like legit horrible tasting, but I still want to like it. 
Yeah, I feel that way about olives for sure. I'm I'm in the same boat. I also feel that way about mushrooms. Mm, yeah, I'm not a mushroom person. I, even though, like, if they're in stuff, like, you know, I'll get like hibachi or something, and right. like it's in there, it's fine to eat. But like the the texture and the combo, it just doesn't do it for me. Also, pickles look refreshing to me. I mean, I don't it, mind pickles. You don't like pickles? Hate them. I mean, I'm talking about like if a pickle has been on a sandwich, I can't eat the sandwich because just the wow. just the 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 pickle juice has now seeped into the sandwich and I can't stand the taste of it. Uh, so, so yeah, I hate pickles. Love the way they look. Don't like them. Uh, this next question is from Hingle. Why all the hate for Le'Veon Bell across the fantasy community? <laughs> it would seem to me that, barring injury, he can only get better than last year. Uh, I don't know if that's true because of the way that they're like using Frank Gore, for instance, right? Uh I just am not very bullish on this offense, even though they should score more touchdowns. You know, they only had 25 last year, lowest in the NFL. I'm just, I'm just avoiding outside of Crowder. I'm just avoiding this situation. Right. So uh, first of all, have you seen Le'Veon's eight pack? You know, we have to, we have to incorporate that. I think. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah. I mean, he's he's clearly been, been working hard. Yeah. Uh, But he is not wanted. He's not wanted. And, and Adam Gase apparently was furious that the jets acquired him in the first place. Uh, and another thing you mentioned, Frank Gore, Adam Gase freaking loves Frank Gore. Yeah. And that's like a fact. He's like very upfront about it. He still talks about Frank Gore as if Frank Gore is like a 26 year old running back. Yeah. And, and not a 69 year old running back. And, and he, he said he will have a role. He will have a role in this offense. And we can't, we cannot ignore that. So I, I just, I feel like the fourth round is too rich for Le'Veon, even though, you know, maybe two months ago I, I thought differently, but now, no, I'm not taking him in the fourth. No way. I mean, look, this is the way that I view fantasy football in general. My philosophy has definitely changed over the last like four years to to develop to to get to this point slash how I've played the last few years. But with with an RB two, your goal and anyone in that range should be that should should be to ask yourself: Does this person have RB one upside, like top top ten, top twelve upside? Because that's the only way they're going to be a true difference maker for your fantasy team, unless you're in a league with you know a lot of starters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's the only way. And with Le'Veon Bell, it's very, very difficult to see a top ten, top twelve season in him, given the competition at the position. He might fall into it because people get hurt, maybe they miss time because of COVID, etc. Um, but like at this point, I'd almost rather just take the ambiguity with like a Cam Akers and see what I have in Cam Akers as opposed to getting the floor and lack of ceiling combo of Le'Veon Bell. Well, you, and you can get Akers a round or two later, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's it just doesn't, oh. you know, that, Le'Veon Bell is now the new Leonard Fournette. Yes, he's, yes, he's the closest thing to Fournette since Fournette. You're right. You're right. right. The, the, only thing, the only thing I will say is that Bell has the, the doesn't have the receiving question marks that, yeah. that Leonard Fournette did. So he has that going for him. I get it. Um, but I just... You know, he's just not a very exciting player to be drafting, and I would be shocked if he ends up as a as a top ten running back in points per game. I mean, his head coach hates him. You know, like that. Yeah. That's the that's the the gist of it. He 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 was he was taking second team snaps the other day. Like that. That's a that's a huge insult to a lady. Yeah. All right, Denny, we'll get to one more. This is from our buddy Sam Shervin. Shervin Shervin. 
Shervin Schwervin. Shervin Schwervin. I haven't had long hair since the first Obama administration. However, with quarantine and my fear of being in public, I've decided to grow out my hair again. My question is now that Denny has longer hair, which low T move has he pulled more? Stolen his wife's hair ties or drafted a zero RB team? I'm buying hair ties for two now. Dude, uh, there there have been some hair ties. Like uh, when I when it's time to shave, and I need to bend over the sink. You see this, JJ? This is in my face. I can't shave with that in my face. And and, and look look what I can do. Hold on. Can you see this? There's a little bit of lag going on. Oh, now I see it. Oh my gosh, guys! Denny Denny can grab hold and make a po- Denny can make a better better ponytail than Avery can. Right That's now. right. I have a legit ponytail i have been learning how to tie my own hair and well i i've already done that with my daughter for you know the last two years but uh yeah no it's a it's a new thing i it's been it's now been jj a year since i've gotten my hair cut wow that's wild dude i know and i don't know when i'm gonna get a cut i thought i was gonna get a cut by now but i still don't feel comfortable going into a place I feel like you need to uh, do some sort of periscope situation when it happens, though. Man, that that would that would get some traction. I, I, yeah, I, believe, I think you should. I believe that the people would, <laughs> would want to see that. My God. Yeah, I still haven't gotten my haircut by anyone but my wife since uh, since like March or whatever. But I, I think it's gonna have to change because I'm doing a lot of video stuff and mm. before. Well, so here was our method, right? I would. I would do a long buzz, like the longest possible buzz up top and then really short on the sides. But the problem is when, you know, it doesn't look decent until like three weeks in, right? And then you can just reshave the sides. So I can't really do that during football season because I do a lot of video stuff. Right. So I'm going to be forced to have to go to the greatest of clips and, yeah. and get it done. Yes. Hopefully they are, they are observing protocols. Can I say one thing before we finish up? I see in your background, you know, Jay, everybody's seen JJ's background. It has FanDuel helmets. It has other things. He has some uh, some toys. What are those things called? The Funko Pops. The Funko Pops. And 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 what are the the bottom shelf of those those characters? Who are they? Yeah. Do you want me to do you want me to explain all the Funko Pops on my bookshelf real quick? Yeah. Well, my my point was that my dad saw them the other day when you did that Roto World draft, and he said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Why does your boy JJ have toys on his?" <laughs> He goes, he's a grown man. What does he have toys on his, on his display for? I, I, I will. Let, let me explain. Okay. I, first off, I think they're great decoration for a bookshelf. I do too. For, you know, for, for the backdrop. So, all right. I'm going to have to turn my head a little bit and be away from the mic, but okay. on, on the one side, I have Overwatch characters. I have Lucio, Junkrat, uh, Farah, Roadhog, and then up top uh, is Dwight from the office without glasses on. They fell off whenever I... Uh, took him out of the box and then over here we have uh peggy from mad men had to yeah, had to get some yeah. some female representation uh-huh. uh i have mark andre Fleury and Sidney crosby back together again which is which doesn't make any sense to you denny and then at the bottom the bottom is good i have aria and john snow mm. okay mm-hmm. and then i i have some pittsburgh representation with mr rogers oh yeah and then i have gerald from hey arnold Oh, that's that guy. Okay, okay. And then at the top, which I don't know if you can see or not, but at the top, you have Doug Funny hanging out with Tupac. 
all right well yeah i do see that now i i i have one is it called funko is that what they're called yeah, yeah fun- funko yeah i have one funko it's this guy Oh, nice. It's, nice. A, it's a Michael Myers Funko, and I got it for, for my birthday because everybody knows I'm a, I'm a slasher freak. So I, I need I also I now need the Jason Voorhees and uh, Freddy Krueger Funko Pops to complete the, the set. Yeah, I think that they're fun. They're great. They're nice little gifts to send to people and stuff. They're, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, big fan. It's just my, my dad My dad was like beside himself. What are the toys doing? What is he that doing? That is pretty funny. Yeah, that is that <laughs> is pretty funny. Such a boomer thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right, Danny, that's going to do it for today's show. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, at Carter 13 on Twitter. And you can check out my fantasy equity score report at draftdayconsultants.com. I'm on Twitter at late round QB. You can find all my work on number fire and my podcast, the late round podcast, anywhere podcast can be found. Denny next week. It begins. Are you ready? Unreal. I am ready. Thanks for listening guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to live in the stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share.